First news with Keeler in the morning on WIBX and WIBX950.com. Dr. Kent Hall on the line right now. Okay, see that? I'm just going to keep moving until... Uh, somebody cuts you off. Until somebody cuts me off. Uh, Dr. Kent Hall is with MVHS. He is the chief physician executive. And the latest numbers continue to decline at MVHS. Good morning, Doc. Good morning. Yes, they do. So we're still running at six. Uh, within the system, we have five on one campus and one on the other. So that's a, you know, th- those are all very good, very encouraging numbers. We're we're really happy about that. How much have we improved when it comes to being able to? Tra- and I know we still, every once in a while, we're still seeing a a, a death from COVID here and there, and which is very very sad. Yeah. Uh, but how much have we improved in and when it comes to keeping people alive? So we. I haven't actually looked at that data probably in a month or so, but but certainly uh, it was surprising during the during the real bad times during the you know late December January February that that our death rate was actually pretty pretty reasonable given how sick people were. Now mm-hmm. people were in the in the intensive care units for extended periods of time, but given what we've learned about how to how to treat patients that that have this disease you know it, we were we, we were running a death rate where people in the ICU who are on ventilators and stuff of really only around eight to ten percent which is which is pretty darn good yeah what what is what has been learned as far as treating so um, some of it has to do with with when we actually intervene from an airway status so when we intubate people and put them on uh, ventilators that, that we've learned that really you know, delaying that as much as possible, uh, and using other other modalities, whether it's what we call non-invasive um, uh, respiratory treatments. Uh, people know about CPAP because some people use like CPAP machines for um, sleep apnea and uh, things like that. Well, we have we have that kind of in spades uh, for people that have uh, respiratory problems. And there's another entity that's similar to it. It's called BiPAP, which actually uh, offers even more uh, support for people who have uh, breathing problems and making sure that they get enough oxygen in, in, into their system. Uh, we also, you know, were using different medications, whether it was remdesivir, um, dexamethasone, uh, uh, convalescent plasma, uh, and uh, things like that. So that, you know, we, we learned how to best use those particular medications in almost a cocktail form to uh, provide the best uh, benefit to the uh, patients. And there's also things like just uh, how we position patients what, if they need to go on a, a ventilator to actually improve the amount of oxygen that gets in, into their system. We actually uh, alternate putting them on their back and putting them on their stomach while they're uh, while they're intubated, putting them on their stomach is not something we usually do. It's called proning, and it's actually something that uh, is not an easy thing to do because there's a lot of, of uh, medical equipment that is attached to patients when they're that sick, and getting them into a position and making sure that we can continue to monitor them is, is actually, um, you know, takes a lot of, of uh, resources and, and uh, attention. Right. I'm sorry, Doc. On the medical uh, cocktails, the, the medicine used is hydroxychloroquine still one of those? I think you. Had- I was going to. That's the exact question I was going to ask. I mean, it was thought to be all political, right? That the, the, we did not. Uh, people, physicians were were saying hydroxychloroquine didn't work, and it was because President Trump endorsed it. So I, now it's a, a year later. What's yeah. what's the story? 
Yeah, so the, the, the medical, the, the studies that have been done really across the world uh, really have shown on, uh, when you to look at them en masse, they have shown that there is no benefit to using hydroxychloroquine that, or hydroxychloroquine. There was some concern that there may actually be some detriment to it, and that also was not found to be true. Again, there might have been, there were some small studies that came out earlier that, that when we looked at them, we found that their, their methodology, the way that they were put together, really wasn't, um, really wasn't able to answer the question in an unbiased way. But when you look at the totality of the evidence and really look at the best of the uh, studies, what we found was that hydroxychloroquine really does not give any, any benefit. Was that, was that part of, previously part of the, uh, the routine or the... Uh... Was it ever part of, of your routine? Yeah, no, we, we never we, we never use it. Early on, we did talk about whether we should. Um, you know, this was when we were still trying to understand what was going on. Um, so I would say back last March, April, uh, we, were, we, were, we had a lot of conversations with our infectious disease specialists and with our intensivists, you know, about, you know, should we be, should we be using this? Um, we didn't feel that the evidence was, was really um, supportive enough that we should go out on that limb, and it turns out that that was probably the right thing to do. Right. And then was remdesivir another one that was being pushed by Trump? Uh, it was one that was used I, I don't know whether, whether President Trump uh, talked about it, but that is something that we do use, and, and I believe it was something actually that President Trump yeah. got when he was, when he was uh, admitted to uh, Bethesda. It was part of that, uh, I believe it was a... a cocktail that they had used and that was part of it yeah and and that is that actually has an eua the fda has um evaluated it it is it is an appropriate medication uh to use for people that have a certain degree of acuity so it's not used for people who have mild illness it's really used for people that have fairly significant okay. illness all right and i have a question here from stephanie in utica if a person is exposed to covid but has had both shots, what is the procedure? So if the person has had both shots and it's been 14 days since their, since their second shot, and exposure to COVID really does not require either quarantining or really any change in, in their behavior. That's what the, uh, F, what the uh, CDC and the New York State Department of Health are currently um, putting out as their uh, recommendation. All right. What, what about if they haven't passed two weeks on the second shot? Well, if they haven't passed two weeks, then the, then by our current standards, they are not considered to be fully vaccinated, and then they and then they really should be be quarantined right. for the for the uh, uh, ten days. My right, last question, Andrew. Uh, this is from the app. If a person is exposed to COVID and has had both, <laughs> you're doing what Bill does to you on the kicker I stories. Know, are know, you I'm repeating sorry. what he just said? I got a, I took a call too. Somebody's no, uh, he's in there. there doing a couple. Things. Uh, Doc, we appreciate it. Thank you uh, so much, and uh, we'll do this again. I believe I don't know the schedule now, so uh, we'll find out what it is. Probably tomorrow. Tomorrow, yes. Okay, and then we'll, the new schedule. We'll resumes. speak with you tomorrow, Doc. Thank you so much. Thank you, Doc. Thank you, everybody. Please be safe. You do the same. Thank you.